My name is Michael Fueling. I am the lead pastor here at Village Church. I want to welcome you. And uh, today is Vision Sunday, but we're going to get to there in just a little bit. Um, there's a couple things, actually, I want to talk to you about as a church. And if you're new, <clears throat> let's say this is your first time here, this is a wonderful actual Sunday for you to kind of get um, your head around the heart of who we are. So actually, this last week, for me, has been a little more emotional than most. Um, as many of you know, if you've been here for a while, Haley Versalis, her last Sunday was last Sunday. She's been our communications manager for the last two years, and uh, she has controlled everything you see, touch, hear, read, etc. on social media, online, anywhere you go. If you see it, touch it. She has been um, basically behind it, uh, making sure that our body is served in that way. And so Haley's been unbelievable. And uh, Haley has been one of the most beloved staff members we have ever had at Village Church. And so as she comes off, um, I, I just want to give you a huge encouragement, um, because some of you have watched from a distance, and you don't totally know some of the story behind it. Um, when she came on here, <clears throat> she came right out of Moody Bible Institute. She had just turned 21 years old. And uh, you know we didn't totally know um, how it was all going to pan out, but this girl exceeded all of our expectations. And she told us she would be here for two to three years max because she wanted to go back and do her master's degree. And so um, February of last year, she said, hey, um, starting in January 2019, I'm going full-time in my master's. And let me tell you, this girl gave it her all from February of 2018 to December 31st at 9 p.m. when I'm texting her and saying, oh no, we need your help because Josh, your replacement, his wife is in labor, had a baby, and uh, could you throw us a bone? Like all all the way to the last couple hours of December 31st, this girl gave it her all. I mean, when people know they're leaving a job, they check out almost immediately. And this girl has integrity, and she rocked it out. And so for us on staff especially, we're like, oh, we're going to miss her so much in that role because she is so amazing. And then this last week, you actually got an email from Alex Culpepper, who's our next-gen pastor. And Alex shared with you, in fact, if you didn't get that email, um, fill out a connect slip, put yourself on our uh, weekly newsletter because you're missing a lot if you're not on that. Um, Alex Culpepper is our next-gen pastor. He also came on staff right around the same time Haley did, uh, early 2017, and uh, he accepted a job as a senior pastor of a church five minutes away in the city of Bartlett, Alliance Bible Church. And uh, now, which is, so let me just process a few things with you. Alex might be the second most beloved staff member at Village Church. <laughs> and I know like some of you, you're like, Michael, why didn't you keep this kid? I want to actually tell you about the story, and, and in telling you this, um, I think you need to know some of the things that are really important to us as a church. Uh, late summer, um, I sat down with one of the elders at Alliance Bible Church. They're in our city. Um, we love the local churches that proclaim the word of God and the gospel. We want to be friends with them. And, and their pastor had just resigned a couple months earlier. So I set up a meeting, and, and I just said, how are you guys doing? Do you need anything? Can we help you with anything? And uh, as he described the job, I was like, ah, Alex is going to be the guy. Dang it. Like, not ready to lose Alex yet. So I looked at him, and I said, would you be willing to consider a guy on our staff? I think he'd be really good for the job. And, and he said, why are you trying to get rid of him? I'm like, I'm not trying to get rid of him. Like, that's not really the goal. Um, 
Uh, I have to steward this kid and his calling and his gifts, this kid. He's, he's a godly man who, who is unbelievable and has influenced the future and the present of Village Church more than I could ever possibly communicate to you. And, um, and so they began a process together. Um, I was able to sit down with a handful of their elders in this process, pray with them, um, share with them my heart for Alex. And, uh, and so it's been a very neat process over the last few months where the Lord has taken two different elder teams in the same city. Uh, we share the same heart and vision and values and brought us to a place of unity to say, this is really a good thing um, for this young man. And he's in the area. You may not know this, but um, Alex's father-in-law is one of our elders. And so... Uh, um, Alex is, or Kirk Verhasselt is very excited to say the least that, that Alex is literally staying within the same um, city. And so it's just our joy to be able to take this young man, um, this young, qualified, competent, called, um, unbelievably um, full of integrity and gifted young man to say, here's your next season of ministry. Go, we support you. We're 100% behind you. In fact, at the end of the month, his last Sunday, um, we've invited the elders of Alliance Bible Church to come here and we're going to pray over Alex together. Set him up. I'm like really sad because I like him so much. And I'm like, oh, I wanted him to stay. But uh, this brings us to a value that I want to share with you because some of you come from backgrounds. When a pastor leaves, when a staff member leaves, you're like, oh no, what's wrong? And um, so here, here's just one of the realities. God has brought a handful of young men and women into our church. And everyone, myself, everyone, every leader in our church, staff or otherwise, we're all interim leaders. And, 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 and here's what I know. They're not going to be here forever. And so when they come in, um, I want to steward them. Um, I want to figure out what the calling of God is on their life. I want to be able to see where God bears fruit. We want to train them and work with them and, and do everything we can to set them up to succeed. So there's a couple like things that we tell all of our staff here at Village Church. One of them is, you can leave whenever you want. No hard feelings. Um, I do not want to be the guy who gets in the way of God's next calling in your life. And we will do whatever we can from your job description, from your experiences, to the side jobs that we give you to like really help you grow and, and grow the experience that you need to grow into whatever the Lord has next. <clears throat> so even in Alex's job, about 80% of his job was children, but 20% of it was just us preparing him for senior pastor ministry, which is why you see him preaching more and more as we saw this getting closer and closer. We wanted to give him more time up front, more time with the pulpit just to develop you know, some of those gifts. The second thing we tell staff is tell us your dreams. Like, who has God made you to be? What are some of the long-term plans and, and desires that you sense he's put on your heart in your life? And uh, we take these things, and we want to hear them, and we want to develop them, and we want to foster them. Uh, we find in church world, uh, staff are petrified, in most places we've ever seen, to talk about their dreams. Um, the third thing we tell people is, um, hey, if you're thinking about leaving, even if you're not sure yet, you're just floating around some ideas— talk to us about it. We won't fire you. We won't go look for your replacement. Um, in fact, um, that's a really healthy thing. Um, there have been a handful of times, especially between like 2005 and 2009, where personally I didn't know if I should stay here at Village Church. And the freedom to talk to our elders about that was one of the most life-giving gifts that they gave me in that season. And uh, the Lord, even through my questioning, um, gave me even a more assured calling to stay where I'm at and to be here at that time. And so um, one of the things we, I tell you that is because um, Alex and Haley won't be the last. Here's what I know. We've gone through a lot of staff transitions, and they have been actually really good and very life-giving, and there has not been like a lot of drama around them. And, and, and in fact, the vast majority of them still actually attend Village Church and serve regularly. And so like, 
Staff transitions can be a very beautiful thing. It can be a very good thing. And uh, what I want to prepare you for, I don't have a script in my brain. Here's what I just know. 2018 was really unexpected, <laughs> right? Uh, when I look back at the beginning of the year, I'm like, well, I didn't see that coming or that coming or that coming. And, and here's what I know. 2019 is uh, already preparing itself to be a very strange year. Uh, it's already unfolding in a way, and we're six days in, that I didn't quite see exactly happening. And, uh, and that's good. Uh, and so here's what I know. We have younger staff. Um, Here's what I know. We are going to continue to develop them and prepare them. Some of them might want to dig deep roots and just help build and make disciples here. Some of them might have a calling to something else. And so as a church, um, when you see young guys in the pulpit, uh, when you see us put young people in leadership, um, I want you just to know, like, one of the reasons we're doing that is because we want to steward their gift and their calling. And I think for a lot of us, if we could be honest, when we were younger, don't you wish somebody came around to you and stewarded your gift and stewarded your calling? and spoke hope and vision into your life, and, ca- and saw the fruit that God was bearing, and, and, and pulled that out and said, let's work with this, let's develop you. Don't you wish somebody gave you an incredibly safe place to get up and, and, and to make mistakes? Um, and, and that's what I want Village Church to be. That is what Village Church did for me. Uh, I was 23 years old when I came on staff here, and I was a moron, and you know it. <laughs> you think I talk fast now, right? Go back in time, 15, 16 years, and man, I was a rocket. Oh, let's go. I was so used to talking to students, and so I'd get up and preach, and uh, it was crazy. But you guys, you've been so patient with me. You've let me lead. You've let me grow. You've never treated me out of who I was when you met me. You've allowed me to become who God has made me to be. And uh, with every new season of growth, as my kids grow, as I grow, um, you've allowed me to grow as well. You've been very patient with me, and so that's what I want to give to other people. And so I don't know who our next children's person is going to be. We're actually interviewing um, a, a, a small handful of people right now. There's two um, that have really kind of risen a little higher than most. Uh, we're still in the very like, early seasons of interviewing. I uh, also want to just give uh, and a huge encouragement to you to pray for a couple people. Pray for our children's ministry core team. Uh, Allison Sitt, Lindsay Laredo, Tara Romsaitong. Uh, they are on the front lines of really making this transition happen. Uh, They are working a lot of volunteer hours. These ladies do not get paid, and they are serving their rears off, trying to make sure that our children are loved really, really, really well. Um, Pastor Tim and Suze McLeod, uh, they're going to be taking point leadership, and uh, they're going to really make sure from a staff side that we give them everything they need. And so I just want to come back to you. Uh, You remember how I told you that we have like, oh, tons and tons of tons of pregnant women? Like, actually, even since then, more have come out. It's hilarious. I I prophesied, I told you, some of you are pregnant, you don't even know it. And, uh, and so, <laughs> babies are had, like we, we, I think the last number that Alex uh, told me was 100 and I think it was 80 some kids that are regular attenders here, not just like visitors, like, but are on a regular attending basis here. Um, that's not including Awana, et cetera. Um, and so uh, here's what I wanna remind you of as we talk about all this. Michael, preach your sermon, get to it, I will, relax. Um, <laughs> What I want to remind you of is that we, now more than ever, need volunteers in children's ministry. Now more than ever. So uh, we've been preaching sermons about being owners and renters uh, and tourists. Um, If you're a renter, it's time. If you're an owner and uh, you're in a ministry that maybe you sense you have some freedom to like do something more or something different, like jump in. If you're single and you've got space, if you're in high school or college uh, and you're around, uh, it's time to just jump in because 
We have a ton of kids. And uh, whether it's holding babies or teaching or serving or being a helper, and we don't just need people to jump in. We need people with a passion to see kids love Jesus, to come alongside of parents, to take this time we have for them and pour the word of God and the gospel into them. So uh, if, if that's you, uh, you can go onto our hub. You can talk to myself or any of our staff. We'll just get you connected, but now is the time. Uh, we will background check you and do all that other fun stuff. So if you don't want that done, don't, don't jump in um, for what it's worth. Second announcement. This is short, I promise. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock. 11 minutes and 36 seconds. All right. Um, no, but it's, it's important for you guys to know this. And I did put together a shorter sermon. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to show you this next slide. It says, uh, got sermon questions? Text VC sermon to 555-888. So pull out your phones. Um, if you don't want like an actual text message rate, don't do it. But um, if you just type that in, uh, let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll get a response back. And uh, this will open up a text thread where you can submit all of your questions about sermons. Um, and then we get them all. Now, you may or may not know that Pastor Tim and I, we do um, every week, uh, we record almost every week, our Village Church Q&A podcast where you submit questions. We're like almost 700 episodes in, by the way, and the questions are like unending. Well, one of the things that we want to do is continually like give you the space and freedom to ask questions, um, but also one of the things that we want to do is give you an opportunity to go deeper into our sermons. There is so much that happens in our sermons and community groups, and uh, we get a bunch of questions from those, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, if I preach on a Sunday, so like today is January 6th, is that correct? Am I right on that one? Okay, it's January 6th. Wednesday, this Wednesday, Tim and I, we're going into a studio at Dan Luter's house. He's got this amazing studio in his basement, professional studio. And uh, here's what we're going to do. All the questions that you turn in between now and Wednesday morning, um, our goal, we're going to do one episode. We're going to release it on Wednesday, every single Wednesday. And our goal is just to respond to the questions. If there's one question, it'll be a short episode. If there's 30, well, it might be a long episode. I don't know. So, um, But the goal, though, is to really create another platform of interaction because because as a preacher, as a teacher, you don't, want your, you don't want the Word of God to just go out there and then die. I want it to be part of our dialogue. And so I also want to hear how you're responding. I want to hear the questions you're asking. Craig and I, who preaches at our church plant, um, we really do want to grow as communicators. And part of that is giving you a voice and being able to respond to you and to hear um, how these are landing with you. Um, this is not a place to critique. I mean, you can feel free to do that. Um, but Josh, uh, who's our new communications manager, probably won't even hand that stuff on because critique is done better like to our faces. Amen, Village Church, right? Not anonymously, but by the way, it's not anonymous because it tells us your cell phone number. So if you think it's anonymous, well, good luck, it's not. Um, so if you do critique, I'll probably call you and say, let's talk. I'd love to hear it face to face. That being said, uh, I want to take a minute. I want to pray, uh, reorient our brains, and then uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to jump into Vision, Vision Sunday. Father, over the next um, couple months, as we especially do explore God, I can imagine the questions will be unending. I imagine um, a new person who's in the room and um, they've got really tough questions and uh, maybe they don't believe Christianity has any viable answers for them uh, or answers worth even considering. God, I pray even that this would be an opportunity for um, people genuinely struggling and they want real answers from your word that they'd be able to have a voice and God, I pray for Tim and I that you would give us wisdom as we try to helpfully respond to the questions that come in. I know we all have so many. I have a million as well. Father, as we look at even today, Vision Sunday, our desire is to truly bring you glory, to steward well the local church that you've put us in. 
And so to that end, we ask that you would help us, convict us, encourage us, do whatever you have to do in Jesus' name. Amen? Right. So again, if you're new with us, it's a great Sunday to be here. It's a little unusual. Mostly what we do is we open up God's Word, and we do usually through a book. Uh, So starting actually in March, we're going to be picking up the book of Genesis again, going through the life of Isaac. Uh, After Isaac is pop quiz. Jacob. And after Jacob in Genesis comes... Joseph, you guys are like, wow, this is why you need to be in church, because you don't know the Bible, (laughs) apparently, (laughs) ish. Um, But before that, the next uh, seven Sundays, we're going to be, as as Matt said earlier, going to explore God. It's actually one of the reasons we're doing uh, this text your questions in, because we want to give as many platforms for people to process the questions that they have. At the end of two months, if that doesn't work, well, we'll stop it and do something else. But um, so for the next two months, though, we get to just answer some of the most difficult questions that non-Christians are asking and we get to answer the questions that, honestly, most Christians don't have a clue how to respond to. And so we want to be as helpful as humanly possible. But today, it's Vision Sunday, uh, so let's get into that. I want to talk about why you're actually here. Uh, I found that there's generally three reasons that people land in a church. Number one is because there's a product. Um, and typically the product, by and large, in most churches in America is going to be teaching or it's going to be music. Um, that one of those reasons you'll land in a church. So when the pastor or the worship leader leaves, you go on to the next church because you were here for the product. Uh, I'm not here to call that out. I'm just calling it is what it is. Uh, the second reason I find that people stay in a church is because they are loved really, really well. Um, in fact, <laughs> you're gonna, you might find this humorous. Uh, I've sat down with a handful of you who have told me, you don't like my teaching. Um, you're here because you're loved really well and your family is loved really well. And that's not personal for me. Like, like we, no pastor ever goes into ministry thinking everyone's going to like their preaching teaching, right? That's just not realistic. I mean, the human race is a pretty broad group of people. And so, uh, but there's some of you who actually, despite me or despite uh, your lack of love for our music, um, for some of you, it's too loud or it's too this. And you stay, you stay because you're loved. You stay because your kids are loved, because your friends love you well, because through trial, you know that there's really not too many other people who are going to stick with you, and this is a really beautiful thing. Um, Number three, you stay because you love the vision. Um, You get to see God work. You get to see God move, and I'm telling you, um, there are a few things as exciting as watching God transform lives. We find at Village is that oftentimes the closer you do get to leadership, the closer you get to serving, um, the more opportunities you get to see God at work. One of my challenges as a pastor, because uh, I want to give God as much glory as possible, and he's doing all these awesome things, but about 90% of it I can't publicize. Because it's in these deepest moments of marital reconciliation and trauma and fighting, and it's in the repentance of sin that is in process. You know what I'm saying? There's all of this. The reality of what God is doing amongst us is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I can't, I can't yet get up and tell you all about it because some of these things take years and years and years before people are ready to go public with it. Um, but I'm telling you, the closer you get to leadership, the closer you start serving, you get into people's lives, you just get to see that God is doing some really amazing things. And some of you are here because you have seen God over and over and over again transform lives. And it is honestly really addicting and really wonderful and really satisfying to see God transform lives. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and it's meaningful. And uh, if you're a consumer, if you're, if you're a renter, if you're a tourist sitting on the outskirts, um, there are going to be so many things that you don't have the opportunity to see. So now regarding number two, our elders and deacons and our staff, like this is, we just so desire for you to be loved. Um, 
We want this to be a community of love. Rumor has it, when you read the Bible, love is a very high value for Jesus and that the people of God amongst each other should have like this experience of love. Um, And uh, it kills me when I hear that people come to a village or in a community and they felt anything less than this. Um, But it's also to be expected because no community loves perfectly, right? But this is our desire. We want this. And and, uh, we also want you to love the vision. Just be really, really clear. Forget about Village Church's mission, vision statement for a minute. I don't care what church you're in. Jesus was pretty clear. Go and make what? Disciples. I mean, just put that, keep that word in your brain because it's just it's so central. Like if a church isn't making disciples, it's not doing what a church does, right? Uh, our job is to make followers of Christ. Now, we put a tagline out of that to kind of define it based on the Great Commission, who go, grow, and overcome. Like, we don't want to just make followers. Like, I'll go follow you wherever you go, but I won't do anything you say. Like, no, we want you to be bold with your faith. We want you to grow spiritually, overcome sin and all the trials that rise up against you. But at the end of the day, like, this is what the local church does. We make disciples. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this morning about how we're trying to do that. Uh, I want to talk about some things that God is doing in our midst and uh, some things that we're observing as a group of leaders. And I think if, if you just kind of step back and open your eyes, I think you'll see a lot of these as well. So turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Not your typical Vision Sunday sermon, um, but it, I think it's a beautiful text. Uh, Luke is the author of the book of Luke. I know that's a big shocker to a lot of you. So, but when Luke sat down to pen this book, he did this as a journalist. He did this to discern the facts around the person of Jesus. And by the time he was done, he wrote this book for uh, a guy named Theophilus, if you will. And Theophilus is, we don't know a ton about him, but here's what we do know. That his desire was to show this man the truth of who Jesus was with hard evidence. That he truly was the son of God, crucified, died, and risen, And what Luke wanted to do was write sort of like a definitive account of, no, Jesus is the Son of God. Here are the facts. I have have interviewed person after person, witness after witness. Well, then he writes his second book, and and this is the book of Acts, and this is documenting the explosive, exponential, supernatural growth of the early church. Like, the early church should not have grown. It should not have grown. It should have been DOA. It should have not have gone anywhere. The moment Jesus was killed, this whole thing should have been done. But it wasn't. Why? Because Jesus was actually truly historically risen from the dead and there's a supernatural power undergirding this thing. Only, only a divine intervention could grow the church in the context of the first century Rome. And if you read the book of Acts, it is an impossible group of people uh, motivated by a supernatural force exploding in growth city to city, even across demographic lines in powerful ways. And so here's what you find in the book of Acts. What you find is this, that with every move of God, there is a move of the evil one in response. The move of God, the move of the evil one. Something really amazing happens, something really hard and difficult happens. There's a general, I think, rule as we look at most of the book of Acts, as we look at most of the kingdom, as we look at the growth of the church, as we look at every local church, is this, is that with every move of God comes a fierce response from the evil one. With every move of God comes a fierce response of the evil one. So when you find uh, somebody who is, is experiencing conviction leading to repentance, the evil one is there ready to tempt them. Whenever you find fruit that is being born, the evil one is there ready to try to spoil it. Whenever you find unity or love in a church, the evil one is there either within that group of people or from the outside to bring somebody in who is there to spoil the love and the unity and to compromise it. This is what he does. And anytime you have vision, anytime you even have a sense that there's a group of people moving toward a 
unified destination that builds the kingdom of God and makes disciples. I want to just tell you this. The evil one will do whatever he possibly can to get in the way and to stop that. This is his game. And the book of Acts is about disciples being made and him trying to stop it. And, and guess what? The, the wonderful thing about the book of Acts is that it doesn't stop. For the last 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been drawing men and women to himself, to Jesus Christ, through faith. Disciples are being made, and the evil one at every corner is trying to stop it and get in the way. It's in this context that we get to Acts chapter 20, and Paul is in the city of Ephesus, and he's got this group of elders. Uh, you might call them pastors. They're the spiritual leaders of the church. And he gathers these men, and I want you to hear me. Paul started this church. He raised up and trained these pastors for three years, and now he's getting ready to leave. And I want you to imagine, this is actually one of the most emotional scenarios. Uh, this man is beloved. Like you, you love Alex and Haley. You've had about two years with them. Imagine having the Apostle Paul for three years, blood, sweat, tears, crying, prayer, day in, day out. Like This guy is beloved by you. This is like your final goodbye, and he's got some words to say to the elders. Uh, he's got some warnings for them and some encouragements for them. So Acts chapter 20, verse 28, I want to read all the way through 30. He says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which, by the way, he obtained with his blood. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. Why does he know this? Because this is what always happens. God's building a church. God's moving. Evil one. Done. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away what? Disciples after themselves. With exponential growth, which is what happened in the book of Acts, comes exponential joy, but also exponential problems. Whenever you see anything good of God, what you need to expect is that right on the other side of that joy is going to be a trial. And it will be a threat that the evil one tries to rise up, usually, hear me, from within. Usually from our own ranks. I want to look at this text through the lens of vision. So go to verse 28. He says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which you obtained with his blood. He gives them three responsibilities. Number one, pay careful attention to yourselves. And this would be a word for our elders. Uh, this would be a word for our leaders. This would be a word, honestly, for anybody in any point leadership position because the closer you are to leadership, the more impact and ability you have to devastate a church. And so he says, I want you to pay very close attention. Pay attention to the wolf within Pay attention to that sinister person inside of you. When sin is unrestrained, what you're capable of doing. Pay attention to that. But it's not just negative. Like you're tempted when you read the whole thing just to go negative with it. There's another side of this. Pay attention to what the Spirit is doing in you. Because the Spirit is at work transforming you and moving you and forming Christ in you. Pay very close attention to your spiritual walk, to your personal growth. Pay very close attention. Watch what is God doing in you. He gives them a second command, though. He says this. Pay careful attention to the church. Our job as leaders is to watch, to observe, and to listen. It's very much like parents, right? There are so many forces at work in your home that are trying to take your children away. Are they not? Primarily through media, and technology, are they not? And so you have to watch, you have to discern, you have to listen, right? 
And you have to figure out, like, is there a wolf within? Is there somebody influencing our people that is not good? That's, that's a legitimate question that elders and pastors have to deal with. But there's, a, there's another side to this coin as well. What is God doing in your midst? What are the good things? The Holy Spirit is at work. Open your eyes. Watch. Observe. Listen. Find those things. So often you can discern about where God is taking a church by the kind of fruit he's growing inside of the church. Number three, care for the church. Elders are commissioned by the Holy Spirit to care. And caring, here's what happens. So in your brain, caring often, uh, at least in the 21st century church, is connected to the concept of shepherding. And then we connect shepherding to you're in the hospital, I'm going to visit you, which is a part of shepherding and care, is it not? It's very small in comparison to the totality of what caring means. So as a parent, if somebody looks at you and says, care for your children, does that mean when they get hurt, just bandage their wounds and hold them? No, it means watch out for what they're doing, build into them, call out vision in them, encourage them, find out what God's doing, put clothes in their body, train them to do different things. The act of caring is a, is a much broader, bigger concept than just like, oh, you're hurt, can I give you a hug? Important as that may be, it's not the primary responsibility. And so here's what we, here's what we say. Uh, the, we, we summarize the totality of the elder's job by saying this. Uh, the elder's responsibility or what he would say is to care, is to teach, to discipline, to shepherd. That's that benevolent, like you're in the hospital, kind of care for you, right? And to lead. These are the four major jobs of an elder. So when an elder comes on board, we say, these are our four jobs. We look at the whole of village church. We say, we, we are going to lead in these ways. We're going to make sure these things are happening across the board. It's on Vision Sunday. What I'm going to do is double-click on the lead side of things, but we're going to come back to that in a minute. Because before we go there, the text has more to say, and I just want to make sure we get all of this in our brain. Why are we commanded to care? Verse 28 says this. We are called to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Let me tell you this. What you bleed for, you are passionate about. And Jesus Christ, this is personal to him. The Village Church is personal. Alliance Bible Church is personal. Poplar Creek, it's personal. These are each local churches, and each one of them are very personal to Jesus Christ. Uh, these are churches, uh, and they're, they're pastors. Well, of course, now I'm going to be friends with Alliance Bible Church's pastor because he's Alex Culpepper, right? But these are, these are guys in our city that I want to love well and I want to be friends with. But I want to tell you, um, the reason I love their church is because their church is deeply personal to Jesus. And the reason I want to lead well and our elders want to lead well and we want to look to the future and, and, and move us in a direction and figure out what God is doing here is because this is personal to Jesus, I want to come back to this statement because I think it's so meaningful. Um, how many of you really wanted someone to have vision for you in your life? How many of you wanted somebody to enter into your life and to call out what God was doing, to observe it and say, let's move in that direction? And in the same way, somebody needs to do that for the local church. And this is part of the elder's job is to say, what is God doing here? How do we call this out? And how do we move ourselves in that direction? So not only do you want somebody doing this for you personally, we need somebody to do this for us as a church. The second thing, the second reason that we do this is because we have an enemy that is intent on destroying us. And if the people of God aren't unified as we go into the future, we are vulnerable. And so one of the things I want to make sure that we do on a regular basis is to say, here's where we're going, uh, uh, right? This is what we're doing. Now, by the way, much of this is just rooted in my conversations with you and the elders' conversations with you. This isn't me sitting on a high horse on an island saying, here, oh, I'm the only conduit to the vision of what the Lord... I'm here communicating to you after years of watching and conversations um, some things that we're thinking about here. Um, but I want you to understand this. We go on and it says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves 
will arise men speaking twisted things, fierce wolves, devoured, not sparing, spiritual bloodshed. Let me just tell you, on the front lines of pastoral ministry, I've watched more spiritual bloodshed than I would ever care to imagine. I've watched person after person after person be devoured by the dumb idiotic lies of the evil one, and it's exhausting. It is so sad, and it's so frustrating. It's so unnecessary, and this is real. And so one of the preemptive things that we do on the leadership side of things is we say, this is where we're going. Let's do this together. Let's do this in community. Let's be on the same page. Let's figure this thing out. And he says this, what's the motivation to draw away the disciples? What's the vision of the church? Disciples. What is Satan trying to like, get in the way of? Disciples. This is it. This is the battlefield. We're here to try to make disciples. He's here to stop disciples, and this is, this is, this is the battle. All right. How do we lead? So um, I think some people think when elders talk about vision, they think like we have the special phone line and uh, God calls and he's like, uh, Michael, um, here's what I want the future to look like. And uh, it's actually not the case. In fact, um, most people in this room, based on my conversations of most, of most people, not in this room, but in general, most people in this room probably do not self-identify as a visionary. Um, <clears throat> in fact, for you to identify as a visionary feels pretentious, Right? Uh, I have personally found I've yet to meet a person that is not a visionary. Um, I have yet to meet somebody who actually, if you ask them the right questions, is not dripping with vision and dreams and hope, right? Um, What I found actually with most people is they don't have the vocabulary to do it, uh, and they don't have the permission to articulate it and the context to move into it. And so um, not only do I want to share with you the vision, uh, how we sort of develop vision at Village Church, uh, I also want to just encourage you in your personal lives, in your ministry, in your family. If you lead anything like yourself or a family and you want to discern what God's heart and vision is, I want to share with you four questions that I think are remarkable and absolutely encouraging. And then uh, I want to show you how we apply this at Village Church and some things that have come out of this. I sat down... um, a month ago, my wife and I were down in Florida with a friend's church and their staff. And uh, we were talking about vision with their staff. And uh, all of their staff self-identified as not being visionaries. I asked them two questions. And within less than a minute, I couldn't get them to shut up about their vision. You have vision. Now the question is, is your vision God's vision? How, How do we lay aside our ambition and then figure out what God's vision is. Question number one. What fruit is God bearing? What out of the ordinary things is God doing in our midst? Look at your life. Look at your life over the last year. Like, what are just some things that God has been doing? Here's my hope. My hope for you is that you have trusted in Christ, you have the Spirit of God, and therefore, as you grow spiritually, excuse me, the Lord is bearing fruit in and through you. So often we don't stop to just observe what some of that fruit is. So I want to share with you at Village Church some things that um, I've been observing and we've been observing, and uh, here's some fruit. We've talked about this. Kids, unusual amount of children, beautiful. Um, What an amazing privilege to steward these young souls. No one is more likely to trust in Jesus than a kid. And we get to come come alongside of you parents, to love you and to support you and to build into these kids um, that is an incredible thing that we want to bear, we want to steward 
really, really well. In fact, um, I'll share with you a little update. Uh, a while ago, we told you that we are waiting to do our children's wing renovation because we don't want to go into debt to do it. So the cost is $175,000. And then we also told you that we don't want to go under $175,000 in our general fund. And so here's kind of the number. After we pay for our new sound system, which gets installed next, this week, actually. So next week, you should come in and be a whole new sound system and hopefully a much li more life-giving experience musically on that end. Um, and after we have already paid for our parking lot, after our shed and our signage that we've already um, plotted out to do in April, May, after all that's done, we have $190,000 in the bank. Um, so we just spent a lot of money, by the way, over the last couple months uh, in phase one of our renovation plan. But our goal was to save the money. When we have the money, do it. That's been our goal. And so we're $160,000 away from actually launching uh, phase two of our uh, building renovation, and that is to renovate the entire children's wing uh, to make it as helpful to making disciples as humanly possible. So $160,000 away. We're not doing anything until our general fund hits three hundred and what is that, $50,000, because $175,000 cost plus $175,000 we have to have left equals $350,000. So we're $160,000 away from that. But the reason we're doing this, I want, I want to be clear, is because when we're watching the fruit the Lord is bearing, as we set plans for the future, we're trying to do this in line with what we see God is already doing, and we want to support that. Uh, we're hiring right now a new children's director or next-gen director. We don't know who it's going to be, when they're going to come on staff, but pray for that. We need more people serving in kids' ministry. Did I say that, by the way? Like, every time I've been up here for the last two months. Um, by the way, thank you for many of you have jumped in and uh, already taken that. Unity. Um, for our rate of growth and our staff turnover um, over the last year or two, <clears throat> the fact that our elders don't just love each other but like each other is a miracle. Amen, Tim Jen? <laughs> Um, the fact that our deacons and our elders get along, that's like a borderline miracle. And the fact that our staff is, is, is unified and enjoying each other as much as we do, which is amazingly high, um, it's a miracle. Um, God's been really, 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 really good on that level. Um, we, we are not watching internally major division anywhere. Does that mean everybody's happy? No, that's not the point. Unhappy, frustrated, <clears throat> et cetera, does not does that mean disunity? Um, this has been very precious. Jesus loves a unified church. And I want to just tell you, I think some of the reasons we're able to like, continue to move into the future is because this exists. And this is definitely a fruit of something the Holy Spirit has born in us. And I'm going to tell you as elders, we seek diligently to protect it and to preserve it. Um, one of the reasons we developed a new constitution was to preserve unity because our current one, our former one, didn't give us the protections we needed. Um, so many plausible threats were out there. And, and with 100% unity, our church came through and said, yes, let's do this. That's, that's an unbelievable thing. We want to protect that. Healing. Nothing about what I'm going to say is a surprise to you, and I have yet to be, like, I don't know, nervous to address what's actually happening in our community, in our area. But the suburban Chicago church is in chaos. Not just the big ones, by the way, the small ones. It's a wreck. Um, one of I'll share this in a little bit, but you may not know. Um, I work with a lot of churches in our area, and I sit down with a lot of pastors. Uh, it's actually an unusual part of my job that, is, that has come about in the last two years. And I'm telling you, the train wreck after train wreck after train wreck and the trauma and the hurt, it's devastating. I've never in my life seen a time like this. Churches are closing left and right. Churches right now are trying to decide, do we stay alive? Do we close? What do we do? And, and I've been entering into a lot of these conversations with these churches in this area, and it's heartbreaking, and it's frustrating, 
and it's really, really, really sad. And here's what we know, that there are people coming to Village Church who are genuinely hurt. So Nikki, who just got up here earlier and uh, uh, <clears throat> installed our new members, um, she is here to serve you and to help you and to do whatever she can to help you connect. A few things are frustrating when you're hurt. It's trying to connect to a church, and then the church makes it really hard. We don't want to do that. And if we do, let us know because it's not on purpose. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be doing uh, the first Sunday night of February is I'm going to be doing a, it's a two-hour evening, um, and it's called Overcoming My Church Hurt. It's just myself and anybody who wants to sign up. Uh, this is not a bash my old church time. In fact, it's, it's a one-hour just training on how to process church hurt, how to overcome it, uh, some next steps to take. Um, we're going to have a time of Q&A in that time, and we're going to pray together, uh, and uh, it'll be a very private time. It won't be recorded. It's just a, a time for those of you who've been um, hurt uh, to process together because I've just watched church hurt make people impotent for the kingdom for years, and uh, our desire is to never see that again. And so if, if that's where you're at, you can go into our hub, by the way, and you can sign up for that class. It's a sign-up only. And uh, again, it's going to be a private, a private thing that we want to just sit down with you and, and encourage you and pour into you uh, and then help you maybe biblically process some of that stuff. That's February 2nd. It's going to be 6.30 to 8.30. And uh, if you want to come to that, we'd love, love for you to do that. Uh, the last one is help. And I, I shared this a minute ago. Is <clears throat> um, we have a, we've been given a neat opportunity to come alongside of other churches and support them and encourage them. It's stuff you'll never know about. I'm just going to be honest with you. We don't get up and publicize all the stuff we're, you know, we're trying to do with other people, but, um, but that's a very real thing. And so we ask, what fruit is God bearing? And as we look into the future, we're trying to do things in such a way um, that, that go deeper and, and invest more deeply in the things that we already see God, God doing. The second question, now these will go faster. What doors is God opening? What disciple-making, kingdom-building opportunities are opening before us? And we've talked about hurt people. We've talked about struggling churches. But um, Bartlett has a ton of young families moving in. And you know what happens with young families? More kids. (laughs) Did you guys know that we have some needs in our children's ministry for people to get up and serve and make disciples? (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. But sometimes you're just going about life as normal and the Lord opens up a door and when the Lord opens up a door, walk through it. I don't know how big the room is going to be. I don't know how long I'm going to stay in the room, but I'll walk through any door the Lord opens. And so we want to continue to walk through these doors and say, all right, Lord, I don't know what's beyond this door. Um, Whatever it is, I'll stay as long as you want and we will try to serve the best we can. But that's just a reality um, that there are young families in Barlet that are moving in droves left and right. There's a third question. What vision has God put on our hearts? If it's your family, what vision has God put on your heart for your family? I think this is a really important part of, of discerning what the Lord is doing. And so for the last few years, our elders have been really, really passionate about this, to grow healthy two to 400-person churches. Um, the reason we actually put that number in is because we believe this is, this, is a, this is a number where incredible community and love and care can happen. Uh, a church can be resourced in the right way to do the things it needs to do. Uh, it's a really beautiful opportunity. And what we have found is that churches that are two to 400 people that are financially healthy can actually plant other churches. It's a very plausible thing. And so we want to be able to come around and build churches like that or support or help other churches to become healthy. Um, we have no desire to be a mega church, not in our, not in our cards, not who we want to be. Um, but we also want to come alongside other churches and just help them grow healthy, help them figure out how to go that direction. 
And uh, so that's one of our desires. But that's, that's a vision that God has put on our hearts. And uh, it's a vision that we sense as we talk to the church, that this resonates with your heart, that the spirit within you resonates with what we sense the spirit has been putting on our heart as we move into the future. Now, here's the fourth question. What stands between us and making disciples? There are obstacles. It's fine to have vision, right? But if you're not anticipating uh, the, the very real things that are in front of us that are making this unnecessarily difficult, we're missing the point here. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just put this out, jadedness because of church, church hurt. Um, one of the things I'll share with you is I know church hurt. I know the pain. I know it deeply. I know it personally. Many of you do too. And what I've watched is that God um, does not want you to be made impotent for years because you've been wounded. It's not his desire. And yet there's a jadedness. And I don't know, I've never met like somebody who said, the Holy Spirit has made me more jaded. Like that just doesn't strike me as a spiritual quality, but all right. But there's another like end to this, which is uh, the other, so other side of the coin is just apathy because of consumerism. And this is why we've been talking about this owners, renters, and tourist sermon series because um, I, I personally can't stop you from being a consumer. But at the very least, I can open up God's word with you and encourage you and pray for you and say, stop it. The Lord has made you for more and for better. And, and I understand all the internal things and whatever and all the fears. Like, do whatever you can. Like, if you need to sit down with myself or our staff or somebody that you trust, um, if you have roadblocks that are holding you back from being the body of Christ rather than just observing the body of Christ, I mean, we'd love to help you. Uh, I don't put this up here to condemn you. I put this up here to say, if this is you, um, please figure out how to overcome apathy because of consumerism. And I'll warn you, the only way you overcome apathy by consumerism is by stopping it. Just do things differently. (laughs) And so there's some of you who will not call us because you're not ready. But when you are ready, like we are ready to try to help you and to support you the best that we can. Um, I say all this because I want you to just kind of have your head around some things that we're really working toward and that we're praying over. Um, There's a big thing in here that I haven't talked about yet, which is we're continually asking when the Lord is going to ask us to plant our next church. I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, I am not a prophet, um, and so we're waiting, and, uh, but here's what I do know. We very mal- well might come before you in late 2019 and say, all right, it's time, and um, we're going to try to give you all the forewarning, and, uh, but when that time comes, um, we've already talked about this, by the way. This isn't a new conversation for those of you who've been here for a while, um, but we want to bring you into that conversation to be a part of that, and so there's just some things that are on, on the horizon that we want to put in front of you. Here's what I do know about 2019. I do know that I have no idea what it actually holds for us. I think Jesus isn't coming back by February 2nd, but if he does, uh, then we will not meet for uh, overcoming my church hurt class. But um, he'll deal with that one. He'll teach that one on his own. Um, But there are, I I don't know how the whole thing's going to pan out. Um, What I do know is that to the best of our ability, we would like to lead well and to serve you well. I want you to hear that. The next 51 sermons will be all about you. Okay? Just kidding, about Jesus, but you, whatever. This is one I want to get in front of you and just say, look, as a group of elders, we love you. Um, we're not perfect. We're trying our best. Um, I have a fatal flaw in leadership. Oh, by the way, I'll tell it to you right now. Um, the fatal flaw was um, shown to me on a, on a trip to Kentucky, and we were hiking, and I was like 40 yards in front of everybody. And uh, all these people were behind me, I had all these kids. And then about 100 yards behind me, behind the group, was a girl. And her feet were bleeding, and she was crying, and my wife was there, and my wife is yelling, Michael, stop! 
<laughs> and I'm like, what's taking so long? <laughs> and she's yelling at me, stop it, you know, whatever. So I get back, and, and this girl's bleeding, like all of her feet. I'm like, ah, oh, I felt so bad. And, and uh, she says, this is the problem with your leadership. You're, go, you're all the way up there, and we're all the way back here wondering, where's Michael? And I'm like, good point. Like, that's, that's healthy. Like, I, like, that was an unforgettable moment, you know? It was like a visual, you know? And, uh, and so I do have a confession. Like, that's, that's partially why we try to do these, so that, like, I temper myself a little bit, and, uh, and that our elders, like, again, it's easy to sit in our room and discuss and pray and think about the future and talk about the stuff, and, um, but at the end of the day, like, we need to, like, level ourselves and bring it. So we, we do this to serve you, to bring you into our thoughts, so there's no surprises, um, we don't like surprising you with a lot of things. Uh, we really love to bring you uh, along this whole process. So uh, if there's any way that we can serve you better, um, uh, well, don't text it to 555-888. Those are questions. Let us know personally. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to celebrate um, communion together. Father, I um, love you, and um, thank you for thank you for 2018. I know for many of us, it was just a year we wanted to be done, but it was a year where you moved. It was a year that if we, if we just stopped and got outside of our own traumas and our own frustrations and our own difficulties, we can step back and see your hand everywhere. And Lord, our desire is, is to have open eyes as we look into 2019. Our prayer is not would you do more. <laughs> you will do what you will do. Um, our prayer is that you give us eyes to see you at work. And Lord, as we go into the future, um, we have plans and ideas and ambition and vision. They're meaningless if you don't want them. So we just invite you into all of our personal ambition, all of our ministry ambition, our church ambition. If it's from you, feed it. If it's not from you, kill it. And we want to bring you glory as, as a group of elders, as we lead, as a community, as we communicate together. And and uh, Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit is resident not just in one group of people, but the whole body of Christ. And so even as we lead into the future, Lord, would you rouse up in your body um, unity that is, is giving feedback and dialogue and processing together, uh, Lord, so that, that we can continue to be a bright, shining, unified light. That is our desire. Um, Lord, I know right now even there are threats to this. I know that there are there are strategies and schemes, intellectual, relational, emotional, physical, that, that the evil one is riling up right now to kind of just stop this, to create disunity, to kill vision. And um, first of all, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the fences that are around your people, not just here, but in any local church. And so, Lord, would you, would you continue to protect us would you give us eyes to see the wolves within us and around us? Lord, I pray that you would continue to protect the churches in Bartlett. It's been very sad to watch churches in Bartlett struggle and close. Lord, our desire is that uh, the ones who are left would not, and that you would even build revival. I think about Alex and what he's walking into in this beautiful community of people. Would you give him your Holy Spirit to lead would you grow this community to make disciples more and more? Lord, we just we, we pray for that. Pray for the unity of our churches as well, that it would be strong and, and genuine and life-giving, and it would be a nonverbal proclamation just to the world of the unity that is in Christ. As we turn our hearts to communion, thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for the shed blood. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.